AI in the third decade. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Bridget Carlin, Global Managing Director, Chief Technology Officer, and Vice President of IBM's Global Technology Services, and Chair of the Consumer Technology Association for CES. Welcome, Bridget. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Of course. If you will, give us a quick summary of your professional history. Sure. Uh, well, um, currently I'm with IBM, uh, but prior to joining IBM, I've had a few um, pretty exciting opportunities throughout my career. Um, formerly, I was with um, uh, a venture capital firm where um, I was a, an investor in early stage advanced technologies. And from there, I joined Intel where I was the general manager of their Intel hybrid cloud services business. And while also at Intel, um, after I built the hybrid cloud business, I took an opportunity uh, to build out the internet of things uh, business for Intel. And uh, which was very exciting because, you know, in the early days of internet of things, it was, oh, we have the cloud and we have endpoints. Um, but when you connect them together, you've got something entirely different. Um, and from there, um, I uh, took the opportunity with IBM to become the global uh, chief technology officer and uh, for the, the GTS uh, uh, business. And the focus that I've had um, as the CTO was to build out a platform that enables uh, intelligent services and to leverage advanced technology like AI and automation and cloud and blockchain um, so that we can uh, essentially uh, improve quality of service and stability for all of the infrastructure that runs all of our devices and, and supports our systems. Um, and then most recently here as the global managing director at IBM, I focus on helping clients accelerate their digital transformation. So then as we enter the third decade of the 21st century, I'd like to take a look at the state of AI with you. The tool has proven to be quite effective in helping us solve narrow and highly defined problems. Which of those do you see as providing the most return on investment? Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a big question. Um, I, I think maybe just to step back for a second, you know, what, what we're really talking about here when, when we talk about AI is, is essentially, um, what is it that we want it to do? And, and when we think about AI, you know, every business wants to be a smarter business. So how do we accomplish that? And, and I always drive um, the discussion around to what problem are you solving or what opportunities are you trying to enable? And that will, that will tell you essentially what kinds of um, data that would you know, feed uh, uh, an AI model to generate the insights that will help you go accomplish that task, either solve a problem or enable a new capability. Uh, but when we talk about AI, I mean, it, to me, it's, it is the most exciting technology of the third decade, as you say, right? It's, I think analysts are telling us it's expected to produce $16 trillion to the global economy by 2030. So it has a, a significant economic benefit, I think, to all of us that are, that are gonna be building and using AI. And, and I guess the, what I would say is that, you know, it's, it's something that we're already working with today. Um, some of the top use cases, just to point out, you know, particularly with, you know, coming off of the disruption with, with the pandemic, 
right? We, we saw supply chains, for example, all over the world being upended and, and our workers overextended um, based on all the challenges with just the supply chain process. And we've used AI to help mitigate basically some of the disruptions and help predict where those disruption, disruptions will occur. And we've also used it to help promote you know, health and safety procedures for the workers. So it's something that um, as we you know, look at the application of AI, you know, it's something that, is, that is, is helping us already. And healthcare is another one. It's another example of, as we've seen you know, with just trying to help address uh, the pandemic and essentially um, getting vaccines, you know, qualified vaccines out into, into the population. Um, AI is being used to help, um, whether it's targeting the right patients for the clinical trials or helping accelerate the drug discovery. So AI is already um, playing a very significant role there. But, but one of the things you know, that I like to point out and illuminate is that you know, AI is, is um, it's not magic, right? It's, it's actually really hard work. And it's something that it, you know, the insights that AI produces are only as good as the data that we trust going in to build that AI model. So one of the, as we, we look at the use cases for AI, one of the things we have to be very, very aware of and, and address is um, the quality of the data and uh, potentially the bias um, that is uh, inherent in some of the data that will feed those AI models. So I guess, you know, from a broad standpoint, you know, one of the things that we need to be very, very cognizant of is making sure, you know, the data and the sources of data and the application of the data in the models um, that we have transparency and we have explainability so that we can, and then we go back and, and we revisit and look at those models and examine them to make sure that they, they are meeting that transparency and explainability test. So I, I, to sort of summarize, you know, AI is, um, is, is changing everything that we do. Um, we're putting it to work today, but we still have challenges um, that we need to address as we, as we build those models. IBM has made progress moving AI from narrow use cases to more general applications with tools like Watson and Project Debater. What does the next few years look like for AI in maybe less structured settings? Yeah, and, and I love that you're distinguishing between AI and, and narrow AI in general. And this is what you may look at as the, the life cycle that we're going to see with AI. And as we get, um, and as the tools become more sophisticated, you know, the Watson tooling is particularly um, valuable to enterprises that are trying to very quickly, you know, move out to more complex, um, non-deterministic type of use cases. Right where you have, when we talk about non-deterministic, we're looking at you know you have um, you know uh, a capability of saying, well, you know, here's uh, here's a choice of something, right? Um, and if it's not clear, if it's not binary, like it's either this one or that one, what if you have three or four choices and you're trying to pick the best one, right? So we're using more sophisticated AI tools to help us with non-deterministic use cases as we move to more of a general and we get smarter models that will help us do that. So when, when we think about the future, right, and, and we think about, so how is that gonna play out? We look at, you know, being able to solve sophisticated problems and some of the really grand challenges that we have around, uh, whether it's for energy exploration, whether it's for optimization of electricity, uh, whether it's, you know, keeping our oceans clean and looking at models, 
um, there, as well as just the overall general issue that that the planet is facing around, you know, hunger and being able to have um, better food models in terms of, you know, uh, growing as well as sourcing natural resources. So I think what we look forward to and what IBM is very focused on in terms of our investments is being able to um, enhance those models and, 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 and make the tools available that will help um, our clients be able to do that as well. You mentioned bias and transparency. How do you build an AI whose output can be audited and understood? Well, I think it really gets down to the, you know, it starts with the data and your sources of data and being able to, you know, what's interesting to me, Tanya, is that, you know, um, we used to feel like, um, gosh, when we think about AI, we, we think about the, um, the developer is really, you know, the person that's shaping the model or shaping the code. And when you talk about AI, I, that's no longer the case. Now it's the data that is shaping the code, right? So when, when you think about the implications of that and, the, and, and being able to you know, get bias out of the data, it really starts with the data and the sources of data. So when you talk about how to do that, I think it it's first starts with an awareness of what is the use case, what are the insights that you're trying to generate, what is the source of that data? Examine the source. Can you explain where did that data come from? How is it being used? When you look at how it's applied to the model, go back and examine, can I explain that all the way through? Is there transparency so I can see everything that feeds that model? And then as the insights come out, you've got to build sort of a, a full cycle of uh, examining, do those insights you know, really um, uh, give me a, um, uh, an objective result. And so there's a combination of examining the source of data, building a model that as you generate the insights, you can go back through and examine it and test it again. And you know, uh, what comes to mind um, is that you know, this is something that our awareness as an industry is, is really increasing. And um, there is a, a, a data scientist, uh, Joy Bulamwini, um, she is a, 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 a digital activist, I'll call her that, um, and, and she uh, is based at the MIT Media Lab. And she's done a great amount of work in helping us understand you know, the importance of transparency and explainability. And she's founded um, the AJL, the Algorithmic Justice League Organization. And it's one of those things I just to mention, because this is one of those things where, yes, internally in our development teams, we need to be cognizant of how to build the models. But it really is something that, broadly speaking, we, we have to make sure that, you know, as we create, you know, this technology, that we're also good stewards of the technology and, and that we really increase, you know, the awareness. Um, so not only for people that are building the models, but for people that are going to rely on the insights. Right, is that it's it's important um, that we question the insights so that we can get back and, and examine those. You know, it's all about sort of opening that black box of AI. Um, everyone's entitled to do that, right? It's not just the developers or the executive that gets fed the insights. We should make sure that each of us is aware that we need to go back and, and challenge the insights and, and make sure there is there is um, objective and as unbiased as possible. So then what convergences and trends are you watching that might create a near-term market or technology disruption in the space? 
Well, uh, that's another terrific question. I, I think that when we talk about convergence, um, the first one that comes to mind is uh, the convergence with cloud and how we you know, see a fantastic synergy uh, and convergence of making sure your, your cloud environment is um, understanding and capable of leveraging the data that's running through it and able to feed um, uh, AI models that can help with either an application performance or the insights that can be learned from workloads and applications running through your system. So I think, you know, when, when you talk about a convergence, that is, you know, so much of what we're doing now is um, operating on the cloud, whether it's in a private cloud or a vendor specific cloud or the public cloud. And so what, you know, I think the opportunity for all of us technologists is to make sure that we know how to harness that data coming through those workloads, feed our, our, our models and being able to apply uh, um, AI as that data goes through there. And then the second, I think probably important convergence is AI with automation. AI powered automation is incredibly powerful. And I can tell you from, from my own experience with my own team, right? We, we use AI powered automation to make sure the quality of service um, is, is as strong and as stable as, as possible. So for example, right, we, we watch for patterns of the data coming through the workloads. And if we see, for example, that um, you know, a server is, is about to um, reach uh, its limits, we can go, go add more capacity before an outage occurs. And so that's an example of leveraging the data coming through, identifying patterns, and then triggering an automation. So all of that happens, zero touch, um, and, you know, the client or the person using the app or whatever is none the wiser. It's just seamless, you know, continual performance. So I think, you know, synergies with cloud and AI and synergies with automation are probably the two, two um, biggest ones and, and the most important trends, I think, that will have and continue to start, you know, delivering fantastic value. Bridget Carlin, Global Managing Director and Chief Technology Officer and Vice President of IBM's Global Technology Services and Chair of the Consumer Technology Association for CES. Thanks for joining us, Bridget. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's probably the best way they can do that? The best way to reach me is um, you can find me on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to hearing from everyone. Thanks again, Bridget. My pleasure. And find more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify, or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.